What's up, everybody? My name is Liv Charette, and welcome to another episode of She's on the List. Guys, I'm super excited. It is officially release week. Actually, by the time you listen to this episode, my new song, Game Over, will have already been released. It'll be out in the universe, and you can go listen to it if you haven't yet. Shameless plug. Here we go. (laughs) Go check it out. I'm just really excited because release week is one of those crazy times where you are literally running like a chicken with its head cut off, basically. That's how I feel a little bit this week. But I thought it would be fun to catch you up a little bit on what a release week looks like for me and kind of document it in the moment. I feel like this podcast, honestly, is like a little a little diary entry for me to be able to look back on and kind of see where I was in a moment in time. I think there's something kind of cool about that. So... Game Over, I like to say, is really the sequel to Red Flags White, which is a song that I wrote that is all about being in a relationship and being in this moment in time where you're seeing all of these red flags, but you're choosing to ignore them because this relationship feels good maybe to you at the time. It feels like it's fulfilling something or you have this wishful thinking in your head that maybe if I just give this person the benefit of the doubt, it's all going to work out for me. (laughs) It's going to work out for us in the end. And I think, you know, whether you've been there in a relationship or you've been there in friendships, I think that we all like to give people the benefit of the doubt. We ignore a lot of signs that we see. We ignore a lot of our intuition a lot of the times. And we don't get out of these situations and we keep putting ourselves in them until we realize that we've had enough. So Red Flags White captures that particular moment in time where you're like, you know what? I I really just want this to work out. And I'm just gonna pretend that in this relationship, I'm all in it, you know, for, for the physical part, like I can detach myself, but we all know deep down, it's hard to not catch feels and it's hard to, (laughs) to not care, at least for me. And that's what that song is all about. Game Over, on the other hand, is the sequel, like I said, and it's basically a song that is about realizing that you've had enough You've been played for way too long (laughs) because let's just say I have stayed in situations that I should not have stayed in for a lot longer than I should have. So Game Over really is a fun way of saying, play on player, I'm logging off. I can't lose because I've already won in this. Like I gave you everything. I did my part. I have no guilt here and I'm the winner because you don't get to have me anymore. So that's what that song is about. Basically, you know, taking back that power and having a super confident way of just like saying it. And you know what? We've we've settled enough for second best. I'm moving on. So (laughs) if you need an anthem for that kind of moment, if you need a little bit of encouragement in your life to maybe get out of a situation like that, go listen to Game Over. I'm telling (laughs) you. Getting back into release mode, though. Putting out a song into the world is a bit of a crazy time. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, and not to get into it too much, but let's just say there's a lot of content that goes around it. 
There's a lot of approvals that I have to make, a lot of creativity, a lot of, you know, kind of ideas on how do we get this song out there? How do we create a moment with this song? How do we get it to the masses? So I feel like release weeks are really that moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, you're hanging on. You're like, I'm going to make it to Friday. It's going to be great. And then I'm just kind of basically going to pass out on Saturday and sleep in and not leave my house. (laughs) That's about where I'm at right now. But that's really, of course, you know, when the work begins, which I'm totally good with. I mean, hard work has never hurt anybody. And it's like that pivotal moment where everything that you've worked hard for is finally coming to fruition. It's basically like that climactic moment where you're like, okay, everything we've done now, it's it's all added up to this moment. Everything goes smoothly. You put it out and, you know, here it is, world. Another thing that I'm actually super stoked about this week is that I'm going to be playing a show on the top of the Bento rooftop here in Nashville, which is this brand new hotel. I've been to the restaurant, but I haven't been to the rooftop. And if you've ever been to Nashville, you would know that rooftops are kind of the thing, I would say. So I'm super stoked to play, not only just to be able to play some new songs, but just to get out there and play with the band. It's going to be a good time. And I got to say, since all of this COVID stuff and pandemic stuff, it's so nice to be able to have all of these songs and be able to play them for the first time in front of a live audience and play them with the band. And man, there's just no better feeling than, you know, getting out and getting to interact with people and getting their responses and seeing what songs connect, you know, giving the songs a little bit more life than just on streaming platforms these days, (laughs) which, hey, um, I'm super grateful to just be able to put out music, but there's, for me, there really is nothing like being able to play live. It just, it re-energizes me and makes me feel just so inspired every time I get to play and get to pour out my heart. And it's like, all right, let's, let's get back to it. Let's write some more songs. It just kind of refuels me as a creative. So I absolutely love it. And just getting to meet some of you guys, honestly, just means the absolute world and to know what songs have connected with people. And it always just blows my mind when people know some of my songs and are singing them back to me or have, you know, even checked out like really old songs that I've put out on the internet somewhere. (laughs) And they're like, you know what my favorite song is? And it's like a song from several years ago. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that means a lot. So it's, it's cool to, to know that people really connect with songs that you've written, songs you've put out. And I don't know, just gives me, gives me all of the feels. So I kind of got to thinking a little bit this week that with a release coming out, With all of this stuff, you know, as an artist, and I feel like actually for a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals today, there's so much that revolves around your online presence. There's so much that revolves around content and content creation. Honestly, there's not really many artists that I know that aren't on every single app that they have to be on because that's really what you have to do these days. I know a lot of just individuals have found their niches and their their place on the internet and and been able to kind of find an outlet, you know, to be able to share their passions and find a community of people that relate to what they're doing and love from fashion to makeup tutorials and whatever. 
And I just kind of got to thinking with this rise of the word influencer, and I swear there's not a day that goes by that I don't hear the term influencer. (laughs) I kind of got to thinking, when did we pen this term influencer? Because I remember being in high school, watching some of my favorite YouTubers and watching them film vlogs and film trends and film you know, challenges and all that stuff. And I never remember thinking in my head the word influencer. I guess I just said like YouTuber, but nowadays that's really a term that we're hearing so much more of. And people are calling themselves influencers from having a certain number of followers to a huge number of followers. And then there's micro influencers, niche influencers. And then there's, of course, the mega ones that have millions and millions of followers on all of the platforms. And I just kind of got to thinking, like, who was the first person that really did what influencers, in quotes, influencers do today? Like, maybe that's not what they were called back in the day. But what is a real influencer? And what does it mean to be one? I guess. I've just realized that We've all kind of had to become influencers in our own way. Our online profile has kind of become our resume even. You know, as an artist for me, it's like having quality photos, having quality video footage of live shows, of having even just posting like trending stuff. Like for me, TikTok has been my outlet during the pandemic and still is now. Is I mean, I think it's so much fun. It's been really cool to kind of grow on the platform and get to know a lot of people through it and, you know, build a really cool community there and really engaged followers that are just stoked about what I'm creating. And I know that a lot of people are in the same boat. They've kind of found found their way or found their platform where they really connect to people. And I just find it all so fascinating how our world has really transformed into, you know, what social media is today. Like we went from having Facebook and I remember getting Facebook, I think in 2007 when it was like available for the generic population to get it because I wasn't in obviously college at the time. And I remember like signing up for it the first time and it being kind of this new platform where you'd play a lot of games on it and you'd create notes if you guys remember those like it'd be like note challenges and things where you'd have to fill out like the information and people would go and like read what your answers were and then make their own note and write their answers in it was almost like a quiz from an old magazine kind of thing that you'd do like reading 17 magazine it it felt like those kinds of quizzes you know and all of a sudden we get Instagram and this kind of really changed I think the way that social media was it wasn't so much about just building your local community or like your small group of friends and people you actually knew and possibly interacted with every single day or at least have seen their faces in person like the friends you were adding (laughs) at least that's what I was doing I never like accepted weird friend requests from people I didn't know how do we go from from having that to all of a sudden having platforms where we're sharing every single part of our lives. Like there's nothing mysterious about everyday people to mega celebrities anymore because this expectation is to share every aspect of your life online. And I know that that can sometimes be super overwhelming and it kind of just inspired 
what I sort of wanted to dive into today, which is just the evolution of the influencer and the impact that it's had on our society and the pros and the cons. Who was the initial influencer? Where did this idea of influence come from and how did it grow to be something so much greater than what was probably intended at the time? And anyway, did some really cool research and found out some very interesting facts about it that I definitely didn't realize. But I think social media as a whole has so many positive things and positive attributes, but it also has a lot of cons and a lot of things that it's done, I think, to society that has definitely not bettered it. It's like, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, I'm grateful for it, but I'm also not the biggest fan of it. Not every day anyway. (laughs) I love being creative and I think it's a great outlet, but I also think that it's added a lot of pressure onto people today to be on it. And I know so many people, artists, creators, people that are on the platforms that are just like, I'm out of ideas. I need to take a little break. But sometimes social media also doesn't allow you that break because we're at the mercy of an algorithm, which isn't even a human, really, at the end of the day, it's somebody who's who's come up with a formula to tell us what is worth watching and worth not watching. But we're really at the mercy of a computer at the end of the day. So anyway, let's get into the story because I just think this stuff is so fascinating. And hopefully you'll learn something and maybe help grow your online presence, or maybe it'll teach you too that it's okay to take some breaks. Because through reading this, I've realized that Sometimes, you know, mental health is not sometimes, it's always really important. And I think that always has to be the number one priority. But I also, I think, learned through all of this that creating and doing things that you're just passionate about should always fuel you. So the moment that it doesn't, I think it's time to take a little break. So let's dive into it. Let's start off by defining what an influencer is. The modern definition of an influencer is basically anybody who sways your purchasing decision. So that could be a celebrity, it could be a prominent societal figure, an athlete, a friend that you trust, your next door neighbor, I don't know, even in some cases, maybe a fictional character. I mean, marketing today, anything's possible. (laughs) This definition has greatly evolved since the introduction of social media, and the way that it's done this is it was the first time that we were able to quantify what influence actually was, and we could do this by being able to analyze data, we could see engagement rates, and really see did this person influence this consumer to buy this product. We can actually see this. We can, we can connect all of the dots. So the definition of an influencer has always kind of been this idea of being able to sway somebody to either make a purchasing decision or to follow a trend or something like that, basically. So anybody who's been able to kind of kind of sway you into doing something that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. I think in this definition, really, a lot of influencing when you are influential has to do with trust. And I think it's really about building trust with people and them caring about your opinion. Do you like this Amazon purchase that you made? What kind of mascara is your favorite? And really... There's a lot of people that I definitely know on my social media that I've followed for years and years, and I really do trust their opinion. And 
I guess that kind of goes into another topic that we're definitely going to cover, but just like authenticity basically in, in being influential. And I think that has to do, you know, with the longevity of your career also, like, are you trustworthy? Are you somebody that, you know, are you promoting products because you actually believe in them at the end of the day? Everybody is just trying to make it and, you know, make money. We've got to live at the end of the day and pay our bills. But at the same time, at what cost? And I really do believe that trust does come into play on this. And the people that that really are authentic and truthful with their audience, I think, do succeed. But we'll get into some case studies, actually. And I've, I've taken it upon myself to watch apparently a bunch of documentaries that have to do with this influencer thing that we are seeing now. But I think that before we dive into more of that, I think it's cool to know that, like I said before, being an influencer has kind of always been a thing. We might not have called it that, but we've always had people in our lives that have swayed our our choices one way or another. As far as the historians of these social trends go, one of the first widely acknowledged, in quotes, influencers goes back to 1760. And this was when Wedgwood first made a tea set for the wife of King George III. In that era, royalty was really considered to be the influencers of the era, and Wedgwood actually marketed his brand as having royal approval. He made it to be something that had luxury status and it brought the brand to the next level. Now, not to give you just like a list of timelines, but I think there are a couple of monumental moments that we just kind of have to note before we get into what I believe is really what launched this influencer status that we know today and what we define it as. So in 1984, we had our first celebrity endorsement. It was Michael Jordan, and he signed a $2.5 million deal with Nike, which included custom design. Air Jordans. Believe it or not, Nike sold $70 million worth in the first year. So clearly, uh, celebrity endorsements were working. <laughs> In 1997, we had Jennifer Aniston in Friends. Can you guess it? Yes, the Rachel haircut. Everybody and their mother ran out to get the Rachel haircut, and Jennifer Aniston ended up being the face of L'Oreal's Elvive in the 90s because she was just, she was the pinnacle of what, you know, what hair should be, the haircut that you needed to have. So there was a lot of, you know, collaborations that started to happen. We had celebrities kind of finding their home with certain companies. And we know some of these celebs to still even be with these companies today and developing those relationships and being in commercials, being on the packaging sometimes, or at least part of the advertising in stores. I feel like with new technology always comes new trends and as we introduce these new forms of technology, we see people adapting to them in different ways. And I often find it so interesting how the intention behind certain platforms, whether it be Facebook and the idea of, you know, having all of your college friends and people that were going to your school, like to have it all in one place. And then we ended up taking Facebook to where it is today and connecting with everybody and from our friends and family to, you know, to coworkers, to people sometimes that we don't even know, Facebook fan pages. I mean, it's evolved so much in what its initial 
purpose was for. And in 2004, one of these really evolutionary introductions was the blog, which was a digital diary, and it was actually named the Word of the Year blog. (laughs) We don't see too, too many of those, what we classically know to be a blog today. Of course, there still are some. (laughs) I guess I just haven't read a lot of blogs other than mostly music blogs. But the first introduction to blogs was really in 2004 because it was sort of a platform that started with actually a lot of mommy bloggers from what I was reading. This was such a a wave and and a trend for a lot of bloggers out there was to kind of write down their experiences as a mother. And it became this really relatable place for people to bond over similar experiences and to just kind of connect over it. I think really right now what we see influence in social media to be today, I think, is because of Instagram. Now, Instagram, when I first downloaded it, the whole idea behind Instagram, talk about evolution of the intent of what a platform is meant for. This platform was meant to be instantaneous. We would take a photo within the app, we would slap on a filter, and we would just show what we're doing here in the moment. That was the whole idea behind Instagram. Clearly, that has evolved. I remember when you couldn't even post videos at the time, and now we have reels, and we have Well, I think we used to have IGTV. That was a thing, long form video. And now we're trying to do these snippets and small, concise videos. And now they're moving away from even just being a photograph website, which is so fascinating. But I guess it's like anything. Everything evolves. And in order to stay relevant, in order to stay with the times, you got to keep evolving with the trends. So we've got Instagram. And of course, we know through (laughs) the 2020s, the introduction of TikTok, an app that was initially musically, which I had never even heard of. And now we've got TikTok, which became this app where... Honestly, I've got to say it's probably my favorite platform of all of the social media platforms. I connect to different people like depending on the platform and as an artist and of course as anybody in the social media world, you have to meet people where they are at. It's important to have all of the platforms, but my favorite really is TikTok and I really do love how the audience is so engaged and excited about your content. And I think, you know, as we are evolving in this social media landscape and everybody has access to it, I think that everybody's kind of, in quotes, famous or influential in all of their pockets. And I I find the definition of what influence is just keeps evolving every single day even from 2020 to what we see now. Like so many people are hopping on TikTok or hopping on YouTube shorts and are just kind of showing every single part of their lives now. And a lot of them too have had to sort of niche down because what everybody says is like, you've got to gotta choose a niche and you've got to chase that niche because for some reason this algorithm just, you know, seems to reward us when we keep consistent. <laughs> Not to get off on a tangent, I could talk about this stuff honestly until the cows come home because I just find it so fascinating. And I do do a lot of research because it is so important to keep up with the times, especially when you have these in your back pocket as free tools to market yourself and be able to 
find your audience and find people that are interested in what you do. I think there's a lot of potential in that. And I think that is kind of the cool part about social media. It's also the the downside and a bit of the scary part too is the demand to be present and to show every part of your life. And if you're not posting every day, the anxiety that that gives. I guess the next thing that I really wanted to dive into was a couple of documentaries that I watched and kind of gave me an interesting perspective on on where this framework came into play, like on where people have built a business out of this and people have made themselves famous or influential with sometimes not, and not to put it the wrong way, but in quotes, not have extraordinary talent sometimes. I think that is sort of the difference that social media has introduced to us today. And that's not to say that they don't have smarts and amazing business minds and amazing marketing brains, because I think in order to be successful, you do have to have that kind of mindset in order to be successful and use these platforms to your advantage. But I think really in the more recent times in the 2000s, say, I think was really the time where a lot of celebrities became celebrities without actually having, like they weren't singers, they weren't actors, they weren't comedians, they weren't the traditional route of what gets you to be a celebrity or well-known in the world. And what was covered in one of the documentaries that I watched called The American Meme, it came out in 2018. It's funny how much even that data is now dated. when you watch it back, but they did touch on a lot of interesting things that I do think are still relevant today. One of the opening lines of the film was, what do you want to be when you grow up? A lot of the interviewers were asking kids, they were asking, what do you want to be? And the kids answered, famous. I think that's so fascinating. (laughs) I remember saying as a kid that I wanted to be, I think, well, let's say at the age of four, it was to be a mermaid. But past that, it was to be actually a singer before I even found music at the time. I loved Shania Twain. I was like, I want to do that. But I also wanted to be a professional figure skater because I was a figure skater and that was a big part of my life. I definitely didn't think that I wanted to be in quotes famous. So if that doesn't show you what the evolution of these social media platforms has done, you know, seeing kids having iPhones, you know, at the age of seven or eight years old. I didn't get a phone till I was, I think I was 12, honestly, and it was really for safety. The phone was pretty much useless other than being able to call both my parents (laughs) and definitely did not text at the time. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that because I definitely had technology when I grew up, but I definitely did not have access to internet as much as the kids do these days. One of my favorite quotes from the entire film, the entire documentary was from the fat Jewish who I remember seeing in The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I was like, who is this guy? He is crazy. And I kind of like it. He's a lot of fun. He's also very controversial, but he kind of is one of those internet celebrities that sort of does things for the wow factor, the shock factor of it all. But he did have a fascinating quote when he said, Paris Hilton is a straight up bleeping icon. She set the precedent for everyone who exists in this internet likes driven world. 
the modern ideas of celebrity, of brands, of marketing, the way that we think about influence. This was all invented by Paris Hilton. My entire model for what I do is what Paris does. I remember listening to a podcast actually about Paris. It was called Even the Rich, and they had a whole series on Paris Hilton, and I'm going to try to remember a little bit about it, but she built her career really on being seen and being present and getting photographed by the right people, going to the right clubs. And of course, she did have the platform, of course, of having, you know, a very rich family. She was well known in the celebrity world in a sense because she was the granddaughter of the Hilton Hotel owners. That was her family. So she did have, you know, a good launching pad, let's just say. One of the things about Paris is that she didn't want to be associated to the Hilton name in the sense of being famous because of that. She really wanted to pave her own way and become an icon. And her goal was really to be famous. And I mean, who hasn't heard of Paris Hilton these days? One of the things that kind of made her was whenever she had a photo shoot with David LaChapelle and she took these very, very risque photos. She broke into her grandparents' estate and basically took a photo completely topless and they ended up being picked up by Vanity Fair and the rest was history. Everybody wanted to know what Paris was doing. She's definitely struggled in the past with being taken seriously, which was always kind of one of her things. But she really was the the first person in a sense, or at least not maybe not the first person, but the first person that we know of today to not have in quotes that traditional route of having that extraordinary talent in something, but she had such a business sense to be able to be known for something such as the Juicy Couture sweatsuits. I mean, everybody associated that brand to her, you know, having this luxurious lifestyle. What was Paris wearing? What kind of sunglasses did she have? You know, people would want to get their hair done like Paris. Everybody kind of wanted to to look like her and have the juicy sweatsuit, of course. So she kind of had that that influence on people. There was also another quote from Hailey Bieber in the film that I thought was absolutely mind-blowing, but she actually said that she lost a lot of modeling opportunities because other girls had more followers than her online. I mean, if that doesn't say your online presence today is your resume, it feels like such a popularity contest, which to me sounds a little bit icky, but it's unfortunate but it's also the reality. And I think that kind of leads us into the next documentary that I watched because we have this pressure to have all the followers, to have it all figured out, to get our stuff to the masses, you know, while also trying to build this and not spend a million dollars doing so in the sense of like promoting yourself and paying for Instagram and Facebook ads and all of that stuff. It's put a lot of pressure on people to to show this followership, to show this engagement, you know, because unfortunately you sometimes miss out on opportunities because of it. So I watched this documentary called Fake Famous. It's a documentary that's out on HBO. It came out in 2021. So it's pretty 
pretty modern, pretty of, of course, <laughs> pretty of the times. But whenever they filmed it, I thought it was fascinating because this obviously would have been filmed pre-pandemic. They actually had to stop the filming of the documentary because of the pandemic. So they didn't even get to go into the TikTok world. But to kind of segue into what Haley was saying and losing opportunities because other girls had more followers, the whole idea behind this documentary was to take your average Joe, somebody that did not have any kind of crazy talent and try to make them an influencer. And this was kind of the experiment in the documentary that they did. So they'd held auditions and the producers chose three different influencers, in quotes, or future influencers. And what they did was they chose one girl and two men and they basically started them from scratch. So they created their account they started uploading photos. They did a bunch of photo shoots and would actually fake some of these photo shoots. They would tag places that they weren't even at, like the Ritz-Carlton. They would be in this really cool gym in Beverly Hills, even though they weren't actually there. But they would kind of fake it until they made it. And, you know, it ended up paying off for them. One of the ways that they faked it was every time they would post a photo or share something online, the producer of the show, as part of the experiment, would buy them likes so that as soon as they posted it, it looked like their fans were engaged, that they were excited, that they loved this photo. They would also buy comments. And day by day, they would buy some followers. They would go from having a 1,000 followers to all of a sudden having 1,500 the next day to all of a sudden having 2,100 and so on and so forth until they were in the thousands upon thousands. And it was interesting to see how these people changed and how some of them reacted. And it wasn't exactly always the way that you thought. So the two men especially were just not super comfortable with the faking it. They had some friends reach out to them and be like, you've changed. I don't know what these comments are saying, but they don't seem organic. They don't seem very authentic. Like, dude, you've changed. I, I don't know who you are anymore. And the girl really seemed to thrive. She was kind of living her best life. She started to get some brand deals. Some brands were sending her free material to use and she could post about it or she didn't have to post about it. But all of the things started to, to happen for her. All of the opportunities opened and she was actually because they filmed it in LA, she was an actress and she said that she started to get more callbacks for her auditions. So it wasn't really about her talent anymore as an actress. They were looking at her followers, you know, how influential is this actress? Can she act? Yeah, sure. But uh, how many followers does she have? <laughs> but some things that they said too, just like the other documentary, they asked the same question to, to kids, what do they want to be when they grow up? And they all responded, a famous influencer, and that's the most common answer of today. One of the people that was commenting on it, I didn't quite get their name, but they said something very, very fascinating, and they said, fame is such an obscure, strange thing. You can't touch it, yet it's more powerful than almost any object on earth. You can't see it, and yet almost everybody wants it, and whoever actually gets it absolutely has no control over it which is such a strange thing. We all kind of want to be seen. We all kind of want to feel like we have this, that, that we matter, you know? There's something kind of about that, and, and social media sometimes gives us this, this false 
not always faults, I guess, but this sort of feel that, you know, we're being seen, we're getting validation through likes, we're getting this, this serotonin kick through all of it, which I guess is why a lot of us strive to want to be in that position. But what I really took from this was kind of relating it to my own life. And I think one of the crazy things about social media is its way of causing us to compare ourselves to others. And I think I, I just really realized that not only do we show our highlight reel online, and a lot of the times it might not even be what you think it is, you know, like these in quotes, influencers tagging places that they're not even staying at. You know, they're taking pictures in the backyard and tagging it as the Ritz-Carlton. How how often is that happening with people that I follow? Are the people that I follow that I'm like, man, I wish I had as many followers as them. Are they even real? I don't know. That's kind of one of the sort of sketchy things because there's a lot of people that do buy followers and it's a way of giving the appearance that you are more influential than you actually are. And of course, that does give you more opportunities. But what happens, though, if you can't actually rise above? What happens when you get these opportunities and then you actually don't convert people to, say, purchase a product that you're promoting? The data doesn't lie. How do you fake when you say you have so many music fans, but then you try to sell out a show and nobody buys a ticket? That to me is how I relate to it is that, you know, you can create this persona online or this, this fake reality and you can live in that until you have to actually prove that you have it. And that to me is, has always been the scary part and why I would never do that. It kind of sketches me out completely because I, I, I mean, and I think that's kind of where we're going today. I think a lot of people have realized that there's a lot of people that do buy followers. There's a lot of robots in the algorithm that pretend to be real engaged people, but they're not even real. And I think, you know, I think that's why we've started to look at real engagement rates not so much at the number itself, but to see how much of your followership actually engages in what you're posting and, and in what you're putting on the internet. What is that ratio versus, you know, how many people actually follow you? If you have, you know, 5,000 followers and you get a thousand likes, I mean, that's a really, really high engagement rate. I guess we have technology now too that a lot of the companies have that are able to see through it. And I just don't think that stuff is worth risking. <laughs> and that's just a personal opinion on my part. I'm such an Enneagram one sometimes, guys. I'm just like, I just believe in, in doing the right thing. I don't believe in faking it. I guess to wrap everything into a pretty little bow, Social media has evolved so much since it was first introduced, not to mention who we define as a celebrity today. We went from having our mainstream celebrities, you know, people that were in movies, actors, you know, in television series, singers, comedians, personalities on television. Those were typically the people we defined as being celebrities people who had extraordinary talent or people who had a platform that people would follow. 
And now this platform has really evolved because of this access to social media and our ability to be able to share our opinions online and our thoughts. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the next couple years bring. I think we're on the verge of a social cultural shift for sure because I think we're really getting watered down in the sense that there is so much inauthenticity online and so much fakeness. And I really think that the people that are the most authentic and true to themselves, whether that be showing every part of your life online to maybe not showing every single part, I think those people are the ones that are going to stand the test of time and have something to offer to the world that makes people happy, that makes a difference. I really think that's what we have to take from this is to use these platforms for good and to try to just be ourselves. I think being real always wins. And I think we just have to always keep this in the back of our minds when we start to play those comparison games that not everything is as it seems. Now it's time for bottle service. I know I definitely went on a fun little rant there about social media, but hey, I'm really passionate about it. And I think it really affects all of us today. Like how can we avoid social media? It's right there. It's in our faces. But let's do a little champagne toast to the cocktail of the week, the pomegranate mule. You guys, I was out at a restaurant celebrating Game Over coming out and I ordered myself a pomegranate mule. Honestly, I've never had one of these before. It's kind of a fun little twist on a classic mule, but I was so thirsty that day. I read the menu and I was like, pomegranate in a nice, icy, cold cup, sign me up. And I was not disappointed. If you're ever at North Italia, I went in Nashville. There's one at the Green Hills Mall. One of my favorite restaurants, honestly. And I had this cocktail and seriously, it, it truly made my night. Here's to refreshing cocktails on summery evenings. <laughs> I can't even believe it's not even summer yet. It's been so hot here in Nashville that I am just, I'm already in this summer mood. <laughs> the first product I want to give a little shout out to is my Joe Malone perfume. You guys, I am so obsessed with this stuff. I got it for Christmas from my mom and I had never smelt anything of the Joe Malone brand but man, when I put this stuff on, I got to say, I feel like I'm really fancy. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I don't know. You know, whenever you find a perfume that just feels like you, it just becomes you. I think you have to like live with a perfume for a minute before you invest in it. And I always think buying perfumes for people is such a risk because you just really never know. But I always trust my mom. She always, she knows me like, you know, like nobody else. And she picked out this perfume for me. And it's the Peony and Blush Suede scent from Jo Malone. It just smells rich. I don't even know. It gives me all of the she's on the list vibes when I spray this. I feel a little bit elevated in my outfit, if that makes any sense. I just kind of embody what this rich luxurious smell smells like and I save it for those special occasions or those special meetings and it just kind of makes my night you know it's, I think it's nice to save a perfume that you really love 
that was, you know, kind of an investment. This is not a cheap perfume, that's for sure. But I definitely think when you do get those special luxurious type gifts, it's really nice to kind of save them for those important moments because it just sort of marks that special occasion. It makes your outfit and your look and you just, you feel more put together. It feels like, you know, you're celebrating something. Now that it's getting hot out, guys, we have to protect our skin. And one of my go-tos lately has been the Super Goop Unseen Sunscreen. I think they have a whole bunch of different SPF levels, but the one that I have, I believe, is the 40 SPF. And this stuff is just really great because I have really sensitive skin and a lot of the time I try to find a tinted moisturizer or a foundation in the summer that has SPF in it. It's a great base and it doesn't get all oily like typical sunscreen does. It's really meant to be underneath your makeup and a really nice layer underneath. So protect your skin, get yourself some super goop unseen sunscreen and you won't be disappointed. And even if you're just sort of, you know, having a no makeup makeup day, it's also really moisturizing. So it kind of gives you a little bit of that glow-ish when you put it on, if that makes any sense. Highly recommend. This next product is one that I literally recommend to everybody. I think I have almost every single scent, flavor, I don't know. <laughs> it's called the Laneige Lip Sleeping Mask. And I've been obsessed with this stuff. I think it's been over two to three years. It comes in a little pot with this tiny little spatula looking thing that you can just dip into the lip balm and put it on your lips. This stuff is really great. And I recently just got the gummy bear scent flavor, whatever you want to call it for lip balm. I smelt it in Sephora the other day and I could not pass it up. It's purple and it just smells literally like when you open a bag of gummy bears. That sweet, fruity flavor. Oh my gosh, I just had to. What's great about this stuff is that it's extremely moisturizing. It's a lip mask. So when you put it on, it really deeply hydrates your lips. And I'm one of those people. I literally always have dry lips. I don't know if it's because I come from Canada and my lips have just always been chapped growing up, but here in Nashville, I find even though we do have a lot of humidity, I am constantly putting on lip balm. I keep this Laneige stuff in my purse. I have one in my car. I literally have one in my bathroom and in my nightstand because you never know when you've got to apply this stuff. It's the best thing ever. Like I said, I recommend it to all of my friends and it's one of the products that I've gotten that's actually changed my life. That, that sounds literally so dramatic, but I'm not exaggerating when I say I hate having dry lips. I'm constantly putting on lip balm and a lot of lip balms dry out your lips. Like they're made of this kind of waxy stuff that actually makes you have to apply it even more, which isn't really a solution. Anything Laneige, I am obsessed with. Even their moisturizers, but I have to just give a shout out directly to their lip sleeping mask because it just feels so great when you're especially going to bed and you put on a layer of this. It takes forever for it to soak in completely, but it's not sticky. And that's how you know, like you don't have to apply it all of the time. 
that to me is always the most important part of getting a new lip balm or lip mask or whatever. I don't want to have to apply this stuff literally every five minutes. And you won't with this stuff. You put on a nice thick layer and it just feels so good and so hydrating, so nourishing. Last but not least is this new little mini eyeshadow palette that I got in order to celebrate Game Over coming out. I'm a sucker for packaging and Too Faced got me with this one. It's called the Too Faced Let's Play Mini Eyeshadow Palette. And yes, it's in the shape of a little Game Boy. <laughs> it's like a tiny little eyeshadow palette and I justified it in the sense that I would get it and I would be able to bring it as my travel palette. What I really loved about it is that it has two matte shades. It's got a highlight color for your brow bone. And I think it's got three or four really metallic, beautiful shades that are just like neutrals. There's some pinks in there. There's some bronzes. And those are really the shades that always are my go-tos for everyday makeup looks. But what I love about it is that you can really build it up and you can make it like show makeup. I wore it to my show the other day and it just looks so great on stage because I'm all about the metallics and the sparkle. So if you're looking for a little to-go palette to bring, if you're traveling somewhere or you don't like to have huge eyeshadow palettes, it can fit in the palm of your hand. It's so cute. It's just the perfect little palette that has everything you're gonna need in it from some dark shades to the metallics, like I said, and I'm just really obsessed. It's cute. And the back of the packaging said game on, which was pretty close to game over. So it's a justified purchase and that's what I'm going with and I've been loving it. Those are the things I've been obsessed with this week. Be sure to check out the episode show notes for all of the links to every single product mentioned. Don't worry, guys. I've got you covered. <laughs> well, I guess that wraps up our episode of She's on the List. Thank you guys so much for joining me and just having a good old chat about social media. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Go check out my song, Game Over. Go subscribe to the podcast, of course, wherever you're listening. Give us a nice little sub. <laughs> and check us out on Instagram at She's on the List Pod for lots of fun, kind of juicy memes and shareable content. Love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.